Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with my best friends who smell like rear ends to pick the greatest movie of any given year. I'm your host, Greg. This year, we are doing 1988, and I am joined by champion and, frankly, unstoppable force, Ryan. Hey, Greg. Thank you so much. Um, Sorry I said that you smelled like a rear end. It's Doug. I mean, he's the cue card guy. You have to read that (laughs) cue card every week, and he got in there and pranked us. And also joining me is the challenger from, I'm going to say, Texas. Yeah. It's Taylor. Taylor from Texas. How you doing, bud? That's me. Guys, I really believe, and I say this every time that I'm on the show, this is going to be the one where I beat Ryan. Yeah. Well, you've been doing pretty well lately. Yeah. You know, I, here's what I'm going to start you off Taylor. with hey. one free point. That's to get you going. That's going to be the seed That's your money. handicap. I, I, I want to say that I don't need a handicap, but I do, so I, I appreciate that, and I thank you. <laughs> And tonight we are tackling who framed Roger Rabbit. How who much do you think it was? Well, we're gonna. I think we're by the time we are done tonight, we are oh, gonna so figure it's, out. It's Judge Doom. Who fr- framed? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's straight up Christopher Lloyd. Remember the bad guy yeah, from the movie, the villain. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was him. Yeah. yeah, it was him. Okay, I get that now. I get that. Yeah, they should have called it. He framed Roger Rabbit with just oh. an arrow pointing at that guy. Well, so I guess that means we can just stop the podcast. We're yeah, done. we're done. All right, cool. Good night, Thanks. everybody. All right, I'll see you guys later. How much? Uh, but no, we're not. We're not oh, going to do okay. that. Okay, get to stop that. Because we came to do a show, and we aim to get her done. Get her done. How much of a part of your childhood was who framed Roger Rabbit? That's that's why I think ultimately that Taylor's going to win tonight, or his odds are better than they've ever been because. I am, I like I am so close to this movie. Yeah. I have every line of this movie memorized. I quote it constantly in like ways that people have no idea what I'm talking about. Like if somebody's saying like, uh, "Who's gonna drive tonight?" I will say, "I'll drive. I'm the cab." Uh huh. That's Benny the cab. No one's like, "Oh yeah, Roger Rabbit." That's <laughs> I remember that quote. It's I, I'm very close to this movie. I don't know why he thinks that means I'm gonna win. Yeah, because <laughs> I have no perspective on it now. Oh, okay. Because well, you're coming in fresh, and you or or are you? Did you no, watch this? Absolutely not. I watched the shit out of this movie yeah. as a kid. This is like my favorite movie. I did. This movie looked really good. Would you guys agree that like they really yes. pulled this off? I was surprised by how well they did because you figured everything's better now, so these would all be sweet, much better looking tunes. There were like every now and then there were bits where like you could see the strings being pulled or yeah. whatever, but like, those. Points were very few and far between for like the type of movie this is. This is wildly like impressive what and, they accomplished. And like when we were talking about Beetlejuice or other movies that you know before the time of CGI, you see how the graphics are being done and it pulls you out. Yeah. And you still might admire it, but you're like you might say like that's cute. Um, and I'm I'm impressed by that. But you've now come out of the story to comment on it. Yeah, I can't believe how a 30 year old movie can still sweep you into the story. So the strings like barely register when you see them. Yeah. yeah, coming on the heels of Beetlejuice, I think it looked particularly good because when you're a kid and you like Beetlejuice, I don't think we realized how awful it looked, but it's such a cheap, terrible-looking movie, yeah. and this seemed like a real Hollywood blockbuster that like a lot of time and effort went into. I mean, yeah, I don't know how much we're going to get into its history tonight, but uh, like, it's got the, the longest end credits of any movie in history yeah. uh, and it just took years and years and years to make and so many people so many test runs you know like yeah. it was 
There's probably a reason why this movie was not made again. Well, also, I based on just like the amount of properties that they have, mm-hmm. there's no way that this movie would ever be made today. Yeah. Unless like, Lego did it. Yeah, yeah, unless Lego did it. Like otherwise, like there's no way that they get this many different properties all together under one roof. You know what I never knew until uh, doing research for this show that Donald and Daffy are in the same shots and Mickey and Bugs are in the same shots because both studios wanted to make sure that they wouldn't get any less airtime than the other one. Which so means they, that you can't even have a cutaway to Mickey. Yeah. Because if that cutaway is four seconds, then you have to have a four, not three or five, but four second cutaway for Bugs. Yeah. And if you had like one whole scene that had Mickey in it and one whole scene that had Bugs in it, then maybe the bug scene gets left on the cutting room floor. And the only way to ensure that won't happen is they just walk out together. And it, I didn't notice that as a kid, but it is so weird. It's like, okay, here's both of us now. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like it just, it, it's so bizarre. And like, I, imagine if like they had a Marvel and DC movie that came out today. Uh-huh. Amalgam? Are they going to do that? Like, like, what would the Taylor, audience is Taylor announcing live on air the Amalgam universe it's is happening. coming to the movie, and I'm directing it. Oh my god! But like, what would the budget for that movie have to be? Like, how much would they have to pay those studios to be able to like do what this movie? Wait, did? so you're saying a third studio is going to come along and pay the other two? Yes, that this is like dangerous. An, this is like an it's NBA transaction. It's going to be like fucking Paramount <laughs> is 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 making the movie, and we, they're like, can we please hire we're all, you Paramount? Guys. We're also going to have our stars in there too. From Top Gun, along with Superman <laughs> and Spider Man. Well, obviously, we are so fired up to talk about this movie, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cool our jets a little bit. What? Because we're gonna do a fun little bit we call Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Every week on this show, we pick four iconic things and we enshrine them on our own version of Mount Rushmore. Uh, then we drive it out to the highway and just drop off the mountain and then <laughs> in the dead of night and then come scurrying back. And it's a fun bit. We always have a good time. Tonight we're doing 88 scandals and I have to say scandals can be pretty hit or miss. Sometimes it's like less scandals and it's more like weird kidnappings or people getting maimed. So hopefully 88 had some just like Fun scandal. Good old-fashioned scandal. Yeah, I want something where I'm like, ooh, titillating. Not something where it's just like, oh, man, that's so sad. I forgot that happened. That scandal of, yeah, the seven kids whose face got cut off. <laughs> Taylor. Yes. You are our guest. I'm going to throw it to you first. Can you immediately grab a spot on Scandal Mountain? I- I'm going to attempt. And here's the thing. I was not alive in 1988. No. I looked up 1988 scandals. Yeah. What? And We did this from memory. Oh, yeah, of course. And from memory. So many of these. I was like, what the fuck? What happened? What was going on? So I'm going to say that I found out that Joe Biden existed before the year 2008. He sure did. And apparently he ran for president in 1988. And he it cratered because he was accused of plagiarism? Yeah. So I'm just going to put Joe Biden not writing his own shit. Joe Biden plagiarism scandal. This was in like his, uh, his like his, the final paper he wrote for school, right? Yeah, and he like it was wholesale paragraphs of stuff stolen. It wasn't yeah. just like you know, oh, I used a couple sources and didn't attribute it correctly. This is like wholesale plagiarism. He just like he just like chunked it, and it was just like you know what, turnitin.com doesn't exist yet. In '88, we weren't sure if it ever oh, would exist. Man, it was like before forensic science. You could get away <laughs> with anything. But he was that was during the time of his like presidential run, 
And then he thought, all right, okay, I understand. My bad. I'll wait 30 years until my sensibilities are now in play, and then I'll run again for president. <laughs> well, I love it as a scandal. Damn it. And I'm putting hey! it right up on the mountain. That's the kind of thing I want. Nice, juicy political scandal. You should be so ashamed to be caught doing that that you just oh, yeah. disappear from public life. Mm-hmm. Not the politicians we got. Not Diamond Joe Biden. No, sir. <laughs> All right, Ryan, do you have something that is equally scandalous? I do feel like, though, um, if we stick in the political scandal realm, we're going to find, like, oh, we would kill for those scandals. Like, oh, yeah. We would do anything to have those scandals back. I would much rather have the, oh, this guy cheated on his final then, oh, this guy sexually assaulted 20-plus women. Yeah. Feels, feels like a better scandal. I don't know. Don't like this. Uh, my guy is also a politician. His name is Gary Hart. And in 88, a picture started circulated of a, a young woman uh, sitting on Gary Hart's lap. Uh-huh. He was a presidential... Like, he was going to be the Democratic nominee. Yeah. And this picture came out, and everything went away because she was sitting on his lap. Uh-huh. Not, didn't accuse him of rape. There was not necessarily an affair. I'm not sure. But uh, just that was enough to be like, you will never be our president. <laughs> uh, it turns out that he had a reputation for being a womanizer. And he had told the press and the world, uh, I don't cheat on my wife. Go ahead and follow me with cameras. Oh. And then they did right oh. to his vacation. And then they got this picture. Oh, no. But he went, it would be like if. Do you remember when, like, uh, just Obama crested before, like, just shot past Hillary before the election? And it was clearly just going to be him. It'd be like he was at that point, and then this one single Polaroid came out, and he was he was gone. If like if at that if at that moment in his political history, if then he had worn the tan suit, Mm. could you Mm -hmm. imagine right at at his very height, right when he's about to take the throne, and then he unveils that tan suit, and it's just everything is just in shambles. That's analogous, exactly. Oh man, Rome is burning. I have to say, I love it. What a great yeah. scandal. This is what I want. It's, it's political it's, in nature. It's, it's a good scandal. A guy loses everything, and it, it harkens back to a time where you weren't made president if you uh, touched people against their will. Right. And back then, thank you, Greg. Back then, You're welcome, um, right? there wasn't that much stuff that happened. Right. <laughs> That's for being polite. Uh, so this owned the news for months and months. This was like a five-month news story. I remember, didn't Jimmy Carter, I don't remember this because I, I, I wasn't born yet. Taylor, you're not the only one who was uh, not hey. born before some political scandals. But didn't Jimmy Carter say like that he has lusted for women in his heart uh-huh. and it almost like destroyed yeah. everything he that's had? A, that is such a, a nice old-timey way of saying you're a horn dog. Yeah. But that's what it is, though, is that like for Trump, Trump is to rape. As Jimmy Carter is to saying that uh-huh. one line, you know, it is it is kind of a, a gross thing to say. All right, Taylor, who do yes. you got? There's two spots already taken, both with delicious political scandals. So I am running out of of good scandals. So I've got this is the this is the third one though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so uh, I can go. Uh, I, I mean, listen, I've got one. Okay, there there is a guy I assume named Ben Johnson. Okay, okay, who was a sprinter in the Olympics. Yes, and he got in big trouble, and they were like, "You don't get your Olympic medals anymore." What did Ben Johnson do? I believe he cheated in some way, but I wasn't able to quite figure out why. I just found a lot of articles saying Ben Johnson cheated. Is he bad or good? <laughs> And I don't know. Did he do that thing in the hundred yard sprint where you are you start at like the seventy fifth yard? I think so. And see yeah. if nobody notices. I think he did that and a lot of human growth hormones. <laughs> I think one of those things got him in a lot of trouble. 
Ryan, do you know what ben, the, the thrust of the Ben Johnson scandal do, do was? Do you have any idea? Because I'm swinging it and missing out here. I think, yeah. And just so you know, like that whole first part, you could have just came out and said, uh, Ben Johnson. Like yeah. the whole part where like, I don't know anything about anything. Yeah. And I just, just want to make it real clear. I don't know. I don't know shit. You okay. Guys. Don't make it clear. We're trying to help you make it less clear. Make I think this is going to help you out in your life. All right. Well, I know so much about 1988. Ask me any question about 1988 scandals. What was it that Ben Johnson did again? That was against the no rules. No idea. My friend. <laughs> Do I, not know. Okay. I will tell the audience what it was. Uh, ben Johnson was accused of when the race would start, he would just shove everybody else off the track. That's awesome. And then, That's sportsman. And then he would run out. And for a long time, nobody wanted to say anything. But then finally, they were like, Ben, come on. Cut it out. <laughs> that, that's such a wonderful image. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to put that on the maybe pile. You know, that, that's, where it, that's yeah. where it belongs. Ben Johnson shoving all the other racers that off the like track. He basically, if, I, if I'm if i not wrong, he basically took kind of like a Mario Kart aesthetic to sprinting. And would just like throw items. Yeah, he would just like, he had a lot of bananas. Yeah. So many bananas. And then he hit that one guy with a turtle. He would utilize like turbo strips. Yeah, which you, you got to put those They're, equally. You yeah. got to put those equally in the lanes. Otherwise. Or, or take them all out. Yeah. That would be one thing. I mean. Ryan, All right. what, what do you got? Um, I uh, I was just born yesterday, and I'm a stupid idiot, okay, and I have no good. IQ. I've, and I've, I've, see, this is the type of content that I like. I've never read a book or seen a thing. I've never. I've yet to Toasty. open my eyes. <laughs> Toasty. But I have heard about this thing in '88, which is very actually similar to the Ben Johnson thing. Uh, the U.S. and Russia were at like peak tension. Everyone was pissed off at each other, and then something called the Black Sea incident happened, okay. where there was no torpedoes. No, like, missiles shot at submarines. It's just that one nudged the other one, uh-huh. and everyone freaked out, <laughs> and they started arguing about who nudged who first, which, subwe- or which submarine touched the other one, and was it an accidental nudge, or was it a clearly a nudge with, like, uh, lust in its heart? <laughs> that, that, okay. Can you please put that on the mountain, Greg? Right. I don't want to yes. tip the scale. I am just imagining, cast in granite, two subs... <laughs> Kind of like barely poking each other. Just like kissing. Yeah. Touching tips. It reminds me of that thing where when two guys want to posture like they want to fight with each other, but then don't want to fight with each other. I thought you were going to talk about docking. No, not that. So they just sort of like chest bump each other over and over again. All right, well, that's right up on the mountain. Congratulations, Ryan. I just, I, and I love the captains just like not giving a shit about protocol or what this could do. They're just such macho assholes. They're like, I'm going to fucking hit that sub. I'm just going to punch it in the face. I'm going to nudge you back, jerk. The hunt for nudge October. Do you have another one, Taylor? I have another one, but okay. it's like not a fun one. All it's right. Ju- it's just the Rob Lowe thing. What, what, what exactly was the Rob Lowe thing? It's there a, in 1988, a video came out of him with a girl who was underage not 18 uh, yeah, yeah i do not remember how old she was but yeah it, it essentially came out and he was like <laughs> <laughs> and he was like on trail with like democratic candidates and stuff uh-huh. and like he was like involved with like supporting, Gary Hart. yeah I mean, he was like involved with supporting a bunch of people and then that came out and everyone's like hey rob Lowe, fuck you get out of here don't do that yeah which you know what i agree don't do that rob Lowe. and don't it's crazy that. instead of saying fuck him forever like you know, statutory rape, he should be gone. We were like, this is actually, he paid, you know, an accurate amount of time to come back. It took him, you know, 20 years to come back. 
now and we're like that's great at least that was some amount of uh social prison that he was in now it's like two weeks and you're you're fine well yeah. i'm gonna put that on the maybe but that's top of the maybes yeah it uh, it's not a fun one yeah so but if, it, if anyone else has a fun one i'd rather that go on the mountain it's, it's a celeb and it's sex adjacent but yeah. unfortunately is a crime yeah it's it's not great all right ryan you have one more shot oh i have it all right um in 88 there was a person who um was the most awful of us. And this person... Mike? <laughs> not yet. He okay. hadn't learned to be that yet. Um, this person, what he did is he uh, stopped praying to Satan. Like, he prayed to Satan all the time. And then he was like, you know what? I'm going to put the Satan thing down. I'm going to put the my KKK robe down. Um, I'm going to put all of my Uzis that I use to shoot little children down. I'm going to pretend my knees are hurt and then go out and hit a home run to win the World Series for the Dodgers. <laughs> And Kurt Gibson should be on this list. You should be all four faces. The amount of scandal that that person caused. And we just don't know about it yet. <laughs> what? Who is that? Who's this person? Kurt Gibson hit a, a historic home run. He was very injured and he hit uh, a home run for the injured. Dodgers. Uh, but those other things, I'm not sure if they're accurate. I don't think anything about Kurt Gibson from 1988 is a scandal. I'm going to find for Taylor, Taylor and his fun Rob Lowe sex assault scandal. Yeah, I love it. It's great. Ryan, go ahead and read for the audience our Rushmore of 1988 scandals. These famous penises or penis-shaped things are Joe Biden, Gary Hart, the Black Sea scandal with the two subs, and Rob Lowe. When we come back, we are going to get to our first conversation topic. This is the tale of an up-and-coming movie star named Roger Rabbit and a down-and-out private detective stay named Eddie Valiant. Ooga booga! Every moment they were together was a new adventure in trouble. Hide me, Eddie! It's a motion picture about friendship. Compassion. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears? Murder. Marvin Acme. A rabbit cacked him last night. Remember, you never saw me. Sex. I'd do anything for my husband, Mr. Valiant. Anything. And violence. <laughs> Tunes. Gets him every time. You wouldn't have any idea where the rabbit might be? Got a thing for rabbits, huh? The whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. It's a comedy a little different from all the rest. I'm a pig! I'm a tomb! I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. But tell me, Eddie, is that a rabbit in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Touchstone Pictures and Steven Spielberg present a Robert Zemeckis film. We tunes may act idiotic, but we're not stupid. Who framed Roger Rabbit? In a world where cartoons and mostly white people live side by side, Eddie Valiant, washed up Dick, and Roger Rabbit, eponymous star of the movie, must answer the eponymous question. What follows is a movie full of twists and turns that tries to deal with the implications of human-slash-cartoon segregation. So, gentlemen, I ask you this. Is this movie about racism and segregation? And if so, is an animated comedy the best or worst way to tackle this issue? Yes to the first one. Or it, it pretty clearly is, right? Yeah. It's like it's all about like how tunes don't have any justice in 
like 1950s LA uh-huh. uh, and how they are going to take like tune based uh, neighborhoods and pave them over to make way for freeways. Uh huh. And so, murdering. Yeah. The tape. tunes. I, yeah. In at with the t- impunity. Yes, like Roger Rabbit says, there is no justice for tunes. <laughs> Almost like you could just go out and you can grab a tune, you can drag it out to the middle of nowhere and just murder it with yeah. no law. Or I guess you have one judge on your side. Um, but L.A. at the time, what they were doing was, it was just displacement, right? Like, this is a brown or black neighborhood, steamroll it, now there's homeless, we don't care. We don't have to do that, like, let's give them market value for their property. Yeah. Like, isn't that how freeways and Dodger Stadium were built. It was just like, let's get them all the fuck out of here. Yes. And how current things are built in LA. LA, LA does not treat the, the homeless right. or, or the, the communities very well. And see, that's a good point, is that I'm not sure they set out to tell the story of minority plight, but there's also the other side of it where if you're going to tell a story of LA in this time, how do you get around it? Yeah. I, I disagree. I think that they are intentionally doing it. Because I think there's enough in this movie where they're intentionally poking fun at the difference between what L.A. used to be and what L.A. became. Uh-huh. That I feel like at the very beginning of the movie, he's like, who needs a car in L.A.? We have the best public transit system in the, in the world. Uh-huh. L.A. does not have that anymore. <laughs> but it's I, garbage. I, I looked it up. I thought that was a joke because I've been to L.A. now. That, that was true back then. Oh, yeah. At the time, yeah. they were world-renowned for their public transit. Guys, if you've right. never been to L.A. before... You don't understand how insane that is. Because it yeah. was all, it, and it was all trolleys, right? Mm-hmm. It was I, all trolleys. And then, like, someone did buy the trolley companies, and then, like, the car companies, or, like, the, I think it was actually the tire manufacturers. The legend is that they all ganged up. Yeah. And purchased it. Okay. And just to, like, we're going to spend all this money to, like, literally throw it away. Yeah. And then they actually did create all of the freeways and all of that stuff and sh- so that they could sell more cars. And have billboards as far as the eye can see. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, there are some differences between cartoon characters and minority groups. That's yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Um, so is there something indelicate about using this? And like, like the intro said, there's one person of color in this movie, which 88 we've seen has done an okay job with yeah. representation. I think for the most part, considering it's 1988. But there's one person of color in the movie... And then, like a barfly, yeah. Like he's like a soldier, and he does say a couple things, and he's clearly oh, the guy missing the arm, yeah. That Judge Doom uses his sleeve as an eraser for the yeah. chalkboard. Um, but besides him, it's an all white cast, and it sort of seems like obviously cartoons are supposed to be taking the minority role in this. Yeah, is that a, is that like a comfortable thing? I think it is because, uh, like. Maybe the fact that they are representing something is too front and center, uh-huh. you know. And now that we're, it's easy for us to get the message of the movie, but it's harder for us to like deal with the fact that like this is the representation, you know. But it's not exactly one to one. It's you know? not. Yeah. You want to tell you want to tell your story. Right. And you want it to mean something. And black people and Latino people in that lived in LA at the time should get their own stories for sure. But I don't think cartoons are treated in such a way where it's supposed to be an insult yeah i'm talking yeah. about this as a white dude uh about a movie who was made by a white dude you uh-huh. know and that part gets tricky how to talk about it but because it's not a one-to-one and like car- you are rooting for the cartoons the entire time yeah i i think it's definitely a in the vein of like the x-men have always been like an exactly. analog for a, minor- a minority group and I civil think, rights yeah i think i think that they are doing a similar thing I 
I was also a little iffy on whether or not this is the best method of doing it. But I think that they are playing into the kids are going to want to see this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's definitely not a small children movie because there's there's dirty stuff that happens. But I think that they are trying to do like here's a way to talk about race that isn't directly talking about like race and like discrimination. Yeah, it's not necessarily lesson teaching. <laughs> it's the it's like the X Men when you don't make you don't expect kids to make these connections. But when kids sit down and finally learn about MLK and Malcolm X, something will trigger in the back of their head like this feels familiar, and now I'm more interested. Yeah, this is doing the same thing. You know, this is like this is preparatory for what like the, all the history that they're going to learn, and, and then they get to come back. And you you need you cannot just watch Roger Rabbit once as a kid and leave it alone. Like it demands repeat viewings uh-huh. for multiple reasons. Then you get to come back and see all of this in play. Do you think that it's the reputation of this movie? That like when people think of Roger Rabbit, they think that this is what the movie is about. Like they're like, oh yeah, that movie about segregation and racial injustice. Oh no, no, that right? is, no, that is absolutely not. not. All what I thought. In fact, because it's very much a, the apparent point of the movie. It feels to me, but it's not like what anybody thinks about when they think about. Right. The movie. No, I bet. I. How do I say this? Other audiences. We have a very smart, educated audience, but I bet there's other audiences of other film podcasts who are finding all of this. Shocking that this is how we come out the gate. Yeah. That like that we think that this is one of, if not the most important topics to talk about with Roger Rabbit. It was the only thing I could think about the entire movie. Which because as a kid, I didn't pick up on any of that. Yeah. And having not seen it in many years, it, it was like, oh, this is like hardcore baked into everything. But like, it's also rope a dope because you're so stunned by the uh cartoons and live action interacting. That like that sort of dazzles you for like yeah. all of the other stuff, you know. Yeah. Also, another thing that like dazzles you is something Taylor alluded to a second ago, which is that it's kind of like ribald, and the cartoons are shown as almost violent mm-hmm. and like uh, out of control and totally yeah. crazy. Yeah, like because there's a, w- one set of. When they go to Toontown, like everything is like a little bit like just a almost sinisterly yeah. happy. Like like there's like it's not safe for humans to be around that type of like happiness. And but, everything is alive and moving. Yeah. It's but a lot to take in. But they're all like, it's, it's also that way because there are no humans there. Right. You know, so they get to act however they want. Like oh, they get okay. to have their own new community because right. humans or white people or whatever haven't come in and said, No, this is the way that you act. You know, and so their own culture pops up. That is actually a very good point. But uh, the the other like sect of tunes are the ones who like are like weirdly sinister. Like they're still like the weasels are like yeah. still goofy, but they're also like we're coming to like kill people. Like what? we're like we're having fun doing that. What's in it for the weasels and for Judge Doom? That's Judge Doom. I feel like is just trying to make money. Like I feel like he is the stringer bell of. I yeah, I totally disagree. What? I think Judge Doom is a self-hating tune. Yeah, just filled with like that <laughs> well, self-loathing right. and Well, he, that's what, that's he, what I mean with Stringer Bell. Like But he, no, like Stringer Bell like went to classes in order to better drug dealing. Like I think Stringer Bell saw the business aspect of it whereas We're we're going to get into a whole conversation about the wire. But no, I disagree with that. I think Stringer Bell didn't want to be from where he was from and he was always trying to get to like another level where like the white people were, whereas Avon was just trying to be a good 
so drug dealer. Stringer Bell's the one that had like the rules of like decorum. For, yeah, like, like in he, the meeting, he, he brought Robert's rules Robert's of order <laughs> in, into into their drug dealer meeting. And he also he they started the like the FedEx or the like the Kinkos as a front, uh-huh. and then he just got super into managing the Kinkos. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm so good at this. Um, yeah, it's it. I think that the first thing that you think of when you see Judge Doom and you find out what he's all about is Samuel L. Jackson from Django Unchained, right? Like, yeah. he is the house slave yeah. who, uh, like, will stab his own in the back to get closer to white people. And the other, pre- the other person I thought about was O.J. Simpson, you know, yeah. of like, I will do whatever it takes, including right. murdering, uh, to be accepted by white people and just to have the life that I'm supposed to have. He was feared and respected by white people. He just had to put that mask on. What do you think then is the weasels? That's a that's a tougher one because they're either mercenaries. Yeah. You know, maybe they it maybe Judge Doom is different and that that they're a bunch of Samuel L. Jacksons from Django Unchained. Yeah. I don't know. Uh they're they're You know what I think they, they are? I think that they are the reverse. They're like the perfect foil for Roger Rabbit himself. Roger Rabbit is like an agent of chaos, but he's yes. like the Loki or Coyote. He's like the generative force of chaos that like creates new life. Yeah. And they are like the destructive form of just absolute chaos. They're the, they're the Joker. Yeah, they're the, yeah, they're the Joker. Nobody came who cared who they were before they became <laughs> weasels. Yes. That doesn't fit at all. Yeah. That's not what it is. <laughs> that, that's great because that's like three different characters. Yeah, that's like a lot of different guys put together. But yeah, like I, I, I think I, that's, the only thing that I could end up with with the weasels, because everyone else, I can pretty much place them on their motivations. The weasels are, I feel like, are only just in it because they like enjoy doing this. Like this is like they just like to break stuff. And in a movie that is perhaps dealing with racial tension, as bad guys, they're all zoot suited, yes, out, and they all sound like gangsters from '40s movies from LA, which is like has a racial component to it but yeah they, they're not like these aren't italian east coast gangsters yeah like from the 30s these are 1940s you know latino gangsters as, as far as dress and talk goes yeah you know? which a lot going on in this movie that as a child didn't pick up that on. you didn't quite pick up but on. that's i mean that also goes back to stringer bell and mostly stringer bell had to reconcile the fact that by him getting up in the world means that he has to destroy his where he came from below him yeah you know and so that's what the weasels are thinking is that in order to get as close to being you know like affluent as possible i need to step on the heads of all of my kind below me and much wow. like stringer bell you are so white <laughs> much like stringer bell that was his downfall <laughs> well when we come back we are going to have a section with just the patreon listeners just us the patreon listeners getting together having a good time if you're not a patreon listener look at your life look at what you've done with your life could you make some changes that's what i'm asking you the segment they're gonna miss is uh stringer bell stringer bell or taco bell stringer bell or taco bell where i tell you a line and is it from stringer bell or did i read it off a hot sauce packet from taco bell tune in to find out tune Strike one. Strike two. I'll strike three. You're out. Elevator pitch. That song is legit dope. Yeah, that's, man, we're all in the elevator. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a couple of movies, right? And what I want you to do 
is put them together into a brand new movie, all right? So me and Taylor, like, we're just getting in the elevator after our jobs as, like, mailbox cleaners. Yep. But gotta, you... Gotta keep them clean. You're the head of a studio. Yeah. And we got some ideas for you, Greg. So what it is... Here's what... The, let me set the scene for you. I'm the head of the studio. I'm in my office. You come in to clean my mailbox, mm-hmm. right? And then while you're here... I'm like, what do you think of this? And I throw you a couple movies, and then you try to tell that character, whose voice I will do, uh, what the movie's going to be like. All right. Here's what I'm looking for. I want it to be the thin blue line meets hairspray. Okay. So, the thin blue line, a very harrowing documentary about a person who was wrongfully accused. Documentary is so important. We need one of those. Got, uh, the one thing that it was missing was uh, giant musical numbers. Yeah. Oh, but that's not invented yet. This is a Hairspray remake. Yes. Yeah, so the, the original, what it doesn't have is like, uh, they, were all, uh, they were all of like an average weight. Yeah. That's what we need. That's what the Thin Blue Line is missing. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm picking up what you're saying. So we need like people who are like larger. We need a big girls. We need a, we need a big blue line. The fat blue line, yes. Yeah, the fat blue line. And uh, f- the fat blue line could be fat blue divine. Mm. They're okay, I'm seeing it. I got stars in my eyes. All right. But how about this one? By the way, you're doing a great job cleaning the mailbox. Oh, no, we're professionals. I could see myself in it, and you're still doing the thing with the movies, which I love. All right. The great outdoors. The great, not just the good outdoors. Versus Rambo 3. Not versus. You got to right. combine them. Now, the clear problem with Rambo 3 is that he shoots people in the face and chest. Yes. Yeah. The good thing about the good, great outdoors, not the good outdoors, as we discussed recently, is that they shoot the bear in the butt and all of his hair blows off and you see a big butt. Absolutely. <laughs> so, we need to have a Rambo film. I'm doing your voice. For okay, some very good. Wait, uh, Taylor, you're a simple mailbox cleaner. What are you talking like right now? <laughs> well, listen, I, I'm a mailbox cleaner, but sometimes I make movies. So, listen, the thing with Rambo is we need to make a Rambo film where Rambo shoots everyone in the tuchus. Directly in the butt. And it blo- it's a perfect shot where it just blows their pants off. The ass is fine, but now everyone can see their butt. Rambutt 3, first blowed. <laughs> oh, first blowed. And now this, everybody's running around with That is butt. terrific. That is absolutely terrific. That's going to do very well amongst the children. All right. Now, get, make sure you get every corner of the mailbox. Okay, I'm getting in here, boss. Yeah, yeah you get in there. You're doing a good job. All right. Okay, this movie is going to be, I want to see Willow, right? But I want it to be Willow with the Accidental Tourist. All right, the Accidental Tourist got Gina Davis an Oscar. What if we replace Gina Davis, because everybody likes her, America's not sweetheart, with Willow Smith comes in, let me whip that tourist back and forth, that tourist back and forth. I love this. And then Willow's walking around. She's like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. (laughs) I'm an accidental tourist So what are you doing here? Oh, I'm the accidental tourist. That's my best Willow Smith. Was that okay? Oh, Uh, that's uh, great. uh, I'm the accidental tourist. Yeah, Yeah, she's like Arthopithecus. (laughs) Or third eye. Yeah, no, this is perfect. But just do it just that way. All right. Right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. How about this? I'm looking, I'm seeing A Fish Calls Wanda. Okay. All right? And we're going to combine that with everybody's favorite, Bloodsport. Okay. A Fish Called Bloodsport. Okay. A Kick Loves Wanda. A Kick Loves Wanda. Wanda. That's Uh, getting one. And just people just kick fish. 
a, a fish kumate want. I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to combine them. All right. Let's, let's just say this. Do you remember the Swedish chef? <laughs> oh no no. Uh, nope. Okay, so no. All right, we have him on <laughs> on retainer. Oh, yeah. That's the offensive one I was looking for. Uh, he throws fish. The people who fight him kick the fish. That's the blood sport because blood sprays everywhere. It's it's a kick called Wanda. I love this. And then we can make like an art installation and then we have merchandising. Okay, how about this? How about this? We do a blood sport like from the movie Blood Sport. Of course. But then we do like what's the lives like of the people who like produce the blood sport? Like they're having the blood, you know. Oh, we got another big blood sport tonight. And then did just, you have enough sodas for everybody? Or that behind the scenes, like camera one, camera three, yeah, cut to this. Exactly. Oh, we missed the part where he dips his hands in the glass. Oh. That's what everybody wants to see. And I, I want to bring it back next week. Yeah, we gotta make sure this guy doesn't die because this is a fight to the death. I want one guy. I'm thinking either Gary Busey or Rip Torn, who's in charge of the whole thing, and he's wondering about like, where's the camera at? For blood sport, and then also like, are people paying their six dollars at the door? Because you don't get to watch a blood sport for free. No, no, you're, you're not just gonna show up. You're not gonna show up. That's very, right. that's very true. Okay, so stay tuned for that. That movie, you're gonna see that in theaters. All right, this next one, The Last Temptation of Christ. Mm-hmm. Love okay, it. but I wanted to have some of that feel. Or the Blob, the remake from 88. All right, so here's what I'm seeing. Okay, right. very good. Uh, we've got... I like listening to you. We've got Jesus of Nazareth, right? Oh, big... He kills... Every Sunday, people are lining up. And kills. the Blob of Jerusalem. The Blob of Jerusalem. Whoa. All right, and we're going to make it a wrestling match. All right? <laughs> a blood sport, if you will. A blood sport, if you will. Okay. All right? And the last temptation of this Christ is that... He wants to eat that blob. <laughs> but the blob wants to eat Jesus. Here's what happens in the Bible, if I may. They eat each other at the same time. They become one. How are you going to capture a blob-shaped Jesus or a Jesus-shaped blob? We bring in the Holy Ghost from Ghostbusters. Uh-oh. We've got the Holy Trinity. It's, it's the blob Jesus ghost. And then uh, on Sundays, he turns into wine. Can you even imagine in the trailer, you are nailing Jesus to the cross. Uh-huh. Oh, I like, love it. Well, we did it. And then he just blobs out, seeps right down the cross, <laughs> all, and then kills all the Romans. All things considered, we had a good day nailing this guy up to the cross. Wait, what's this? <laughs> oh, no. He's oozing all around the nails. This is, out, this is terrible. I got to say, Ryan. people are going to want to see this. People are going to want to see it. Gonna say, Have you seen it yet? You know, I'm embarrassed to admit it. I never read the Bible. I don't even know what's in there. Okay. Did you read the book that the Blob is based on? I did, though. I well, read of the course, no- yeah. I read the novelization well, of, of the remake of the Blob, and I have to tell you, the movie's actually better. Yeah, you don't hear that a lot, but it's true. You don't get to see the one dangly earring in the book. That's the that's the problem. People <laughs> lining up for the earring. All right, so let's see. Okay, guys. You heard of this movie, Midnight Run? I have heard of I, it. Right? I, I, I think I, it's wonderful. I think I think I can adapt to it. A lot of squawking about the movie Midnight Run. I just so you know, Taylor, I don't know what he's about to say, but just so you know, Midnight Run is a bounty hunter and then a criminal played by Charles Grodin, and they have to go across the country. So let's see what's next. Great. We're combining that with twins. <laughs> oh, all right, so shit. here's what I got, all right? All right. There's two twins. They look exactly alike, uh-huh. but they're running at midnight. So <laughs> everyone's looking around, and they're like, who are these guys? Do they look the same? We don't, we don't know. Know. We simply can't tell if they look the same. How about this? There's two bounty hunters that are partners. They look like A and B. And then they catch two criminals who are both of their twins. Uh, 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 so we have Arnold and 
Charles Grodin and Arnold and Charles Grodin trying to get each other across what's the country. Dan- where's Danny DeVito? Danny what's DeVito he- is not invited. Oh, well, fuck this movie. I don't want this movie. We'll we'll find another vehicle. We'll make a sequel. Throw Mama from the Train Two. More train. Midnight Run Three. More train. All right. The last thing. The last movie we're gonna do here because I see you already. You totally cleaned out that mailbox, and it looks so good. Yeah, it, we could just get paid Sparkling. and probably be on our way. All right. How about this for payment? Crocodile Dundee 2 meets Scrooged. Okay. So, Crocodile Dundee 3. It's Christmas time. Oh, <laughs> of course. Listen. Oh, my God. It's a crocodile Christmas. A what? summertime Christmas. It's a summertime Christmas because oh they're in Southern Hemisphere. Right. Because they live, where they live, it's Christmas during our summer. And when they flush their toilets, the water shoots out of the toilet instead of into the toilet. All the dookies straight up into the air. And they still flush the toilets every single time they go. And he says, that's not a, that's not a turkey. <laughs> this is a turkey. I'm trying to do two accents hey, at once. This <laughs> is a turkey. <laughs> you think you see a turkey? You don't know what a turkey in Australia. We got a turkey so good, your mama gonna cry. But I think that all of these ghosts from uh, A Christmas Carol, yeah. like, they handled Scrooge, they handled Bill Murray, but they have met their match guys in one Paul Hogan, who is going to be able to handle them Outback style. <laughs> he's gonna cr- he's Bloomin' gonna- Onions, nonstop. Bloomin' Onion Head. Yes, you know, onion like head Slimer from, from Ghostbusters. Slimer from Ghostbusters. Yeah, we all got what I was going for. All right. Well, I'm not going to make any of those movies. You did a terrible job. Not any of them? Get- <laughs> I was just trying to distract you. Well, you I know what? I bet a- you can't clean a mailbox. How about that? Hey, what about this? We Here's a movie. We switch roles okay. for a day. We walk each other in each other's shoes, and then I make the movies. How about this? When we come back, another question. <gasps> He's back to Greg. Hey guys, Ryan from Pop Filter here, interrupting this show to thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. While I've got you, I just want to remind you real quick of the best way to get the shows every single week. Please search for the shows on iTunes or Stitcher, Overcast, whatever your pod app is, and download and subscribe so we can make sure you're getting those shows every week. Also, if you've got the time, rate, review. That's how we bring new listeners to the shows. Okay, search for Superhero Hour Hour, which is our show where we cover every single TV show based on a comic book, and Writer's Block, where Mike Gravano sits down with writers and talks about process and other things like that. And then stay tuned, because very soon we are going to bring you the OCD, where Mike and I talk about every episode of The OC, the greatest television show of all time, and Movie of the Year, where we here at Pop Filter will sit down with math and science and figure out exactly what is the best movie that came out in every single year. Thank you. Gentlemen, does Who Framed Roger Rabbit earn its noir bona fides? Bona fides? Oh, I think so. I think that people don't talk enough about the segregation storyline and the storyline about how tunes are minorities, yeah. minority villains, but we also don't talk about how great Bob Hoskins is. And he... Keeps Mr. Mario Mario himself. <laughs> That's the guy. <laughs> His most famous role, Mr. Mario Mario, right. brother to Luigi Mario. Um, AKA Green Mario. I like he was not a star. It would have been so much easier and better for them at the time to like pick a bankable star. Uh-huh. This is a character actor who went on to continue that. Like he was he was Shmi from Hook and then died, as far as I know. 
And his ability- He was also in Mermaids. He was in Mermaids. Mermaids is a dope movie. And he's Cher and Winona Ryder. Uh-huh. Uh, he uh, knows the exact way to play it straight the entire time. Whereas I think that a lot of people, if you picked somebody who was like a very serious actor, would have played it too straight. Yeah. He kills this movie. Well, he's got oh, this yeah. interesting tension because Ryan. he is a detective. And they don't spend a ton of time talking about this. I'm not sure if they ever actually talk about it, but you can see it in like uh, photos in his apartment. He very clearly has a clowning background. Mm-hmm. Yes. He wore red noses to the police picture. I I want an entire prequel movie about that scenario. There Who mu- had never heard of Roger Rabbit? There must have been like a version of this movie where at least they talk about that a little bit. Because it does, it is important in the end. His turning his back on cartoons is because he thinks his brother was killed. Well, his brother brother was killed by a cartoon, which is yeah. again super interesting. Because yeah. uh, going back to the whole minority thing, one cartoon did one bad thing. I now hate the that yep. entire culture. <laughs> and but also, he is obviously at some point he turned his back on his clowning <laughs> skills. Yeah, and this movie is not just his like reaffirming a relationship with the cartoon community it's also about his rediscovering the power of clowning right because at, yes. at the at the climactic moment in the movie he has to use clowning to save himself and like he has to make the weasels laugh so hard they die yeah and that's a lot to ask guys they are cartoons sorry weasels that, that oh, the weasels are dead doubly relevant but uh and he like he goes full out like he is not faking it like this is a part that i think you have to be a little bit you have to be very, a straight man and then also a little bit yeah. off to do like i think christopher lloyd pot filter hall of famer am i allowed to say this right now you are allowed to say jeff it. goldblum yes people like this who can do straight but also have that like is your brain a little bit broken yeah like had to be in this leading role. and those are the best clowns right the clowns that have some dignity because then when you see them get hit in the face with a, a banana cream pie. Yeah. You're like, oh, no. Yeah, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> that's that's Professor Chompers. <laughs> no, I, I weep for Professor Chompers. Poor Professor Chompers. <laughs> Professor Chompers. His dignity. His PhD in clownery. Uh, I feel like noir lighting went out for a long time and has come back in shows like Better Call Saul. Yes. Uh, Jessica Yones. Yes, uh, definitely. But here is 88 noir lighting and i thought they managed to really pull it off noir lighting with like having to cartoon over it which means you have to do all of that same shadowing and shading to cartoons they did a great i think they do adjust it a lot and you can see where they sort of you know brighten or like adjust to make it work with the cartoons but still like especially like Like you think they overdo it uh it was noticeable there were times yeah. where it's like the, ideally you shouldn't notice it but it right. was noticeable yeah like it, it it watching it as a non-critical person mm-hmm. a dum-dum yeah I, i'm fine but watching it to criticize uh, there were moments where i was like okay i see i see how they're adapting for this but that said the fact that they knew to do that in a way that was as minimally invasive as they did is very impressive. Yeah, I think it kind of works because, uh, and this is just like a straight up excuse for the movie, but because no one had ever done that before. There's a ton of examples, like Mary Poppins was before this, uh-huh. but they were clearly cartoons. Yeah. You know, they had no effect on the world around them, and the world around them had no effect on the cartoons. But what they did here was they figured out that, like, oh, what if it did happen? What if cartoons were holding real guns? Yeah. Or yeah. real people were holding cartoon guns? And what? so th- they overdid the lighting. I can see yeah. that. But, like, they were so stoked about it, they couldn't help themselves. Of course. The the one moment that I think really stands out as, like, 
it breaks the illusion of the the cartoons interacting with the real world is when the big gorilla guy throws Bob Hoskins yeah. out of the Yeah. That was very clearly like he's, yeah, he Ooga was just, yeah, he was just like floating on wires and they're like, oh and that was another moment where that that felt uncomfortable. Some of his like language towards mm-hmm. the yeah yeah. It's like okay, you're very clearly doing that because he's a big ape. But I don't know. A lot of that just like hung over the movie in yeah. a, in a semi uncomfortable way. What didn't look like that though, or as bad, was the reverse when Bob Hoskins was the only person in Tombtown. Like, and he falls and he hits the the like that flagpole that's uh-huh. landing there. Like all of that stuff looked so much better than I ever thought it could. Oh be. yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Ryan, how about the plot of the movie? Is it Wait, I mean, this is definitely the plot of a noir detective story in that yes. it's very complicated, many twists and turns, many like betrayals. And I mean, Legends said this reveals. is the this is the script from Chinatown two or three. Yeah, right. I mean, it's the exact yeah. same like sort of Forget issue. It. It's Toontown. <laughs> Chinatown <laughs> was water, and Roger Rabbit is transportation. Uh huh. Is it too complicated though for like a kids movie that's just supposed to be like playing off the noir aesthetic? I don't think so, because you get, like, even the basics. Like, even if you're not looking at all of the intricacies, you're like, yeah. So, like, somebody framed Roger Rabbit, because we're trying to figure that out based uh-huh. on the movie title. <laughs> Today on this show right now. We're yeah. still trying to figure it out. And and then you, like, okay, so Roger has been abducted. We're following him, and then he's in Toontown. Okay, now we've figured out that this guy is doing the whole thing. Like, we don't need... It's like when I watched... Uh, the the episode one of Star Wars when uh-huh. I was a kid I was like I don't get what all this like trade negotiation shit <laughs> exactly, is about yeah. but I like when Darth Maul has two lightsabers <laughs> on one the same thing I did with seeing this movie for the first time is that I was like I was so stoked about cartoons when I was a kid I was a weird kid I just loved uh-huh. animated things and watching this I was like halfway through or even earlier than that I was like all right look let's just be honest with yourself you have no idea what's going on right now <laughs> just kick back watch the cartoon shit and then like. Maybe 20 years from now, you'll figure it out. Like, it's, it's right. baffling. But then, watching it as an adult, I think it's perfectly complicated. And then there's some adorable, not complicated moments. Yeah. Like, when uh, Roger says that he wrote a love poem to his wife, and Valiant says, oh, did you write on a mirror with lipstick? And Roger says, no, I used a perfectly blank sheet of paper. Uh-huh. Like, I wonder if that will come up. Like, he found a perfectly <laughs> blank sheet of paper. They are, they are telegraphing the... Mystery a little bit. Can I, uh-huh. can I tell you how much of a dumb dumb I am? I I didn't I didn't anticipate that at all until <laughs> until he was like, "Hey, you still got that blank piece of paper?" I was like, "Oh yeah, that would be useful." Hey Roger, remember how you brought up earlier that perfectly blank piece of paper? It, that is the first time in like ten years that I have been legitimately fooled by a, on such an obvious Chekhov's gun. No, that's not true. <laughs> you do it all the time, but yeah. So that means that whenever you ask for a piece of paper, you have to specify i need it perfectly blank i need a perfectly blank piece of paper you know what i do if someone goes like hey can i borrow a piece of paper oh i'm just like do you fuck off (laughs) fuck off you can't fucking get anything from me and with that oh no we ran out of time and now we go to the speed round let's talk about something's cooking does this work as a short at the beginning of the movie is it Part of the movie is what? What do we think about the little cartoon short at the beginning? I like it. I think it's. I think it's fun. You know what it is? It's uh, we we knew the cartoons were violent, but yeah. and then Itchy and Scratchy uh-huh. made fun of that. How like all they offer is violence, and right. I feel like this is a perfect and maybe better middle ground of 
how really it's just insane chaos. Right. Yeah. And then also it leads into the we can mistreat these people however we want. Yeah. It does. And the other thing too is that like we all we all knew what this movie was about. We all saw the trailer or whatever. But it starts with this cartoon and I think the thing that really fucks still up when you watch it is that when uh, it pans out and that's a real fridge yeah. and they're on a set yeah. You knew that it was live action animation, and yet that's still so jarring and crazy that those were just actors doing all of that as if it was a regular movie. And it does really underline the fact that, like, no, they appear in cartoons. Like, they, they're cartoons that exist in the world, but they yeah. appear in the things that we call cartoons, and that's probably where we get them from. So I think it does do a good job of grounding it in, like, what the reality of the movie is. The one weird thing, though, is that in the cartoons that I remember where the things that happened to Roger would happen to, like, Wile E. Coyote or... Um, Elmer Fudd, Yosemite Sam, Daffy Duck, Donald Duck. It's because, like, they became assholes and deserved uh, all of that. Like, greed took over. And Something's Cooking sort of shows that Roger gets that because he's so good. Yeah. That's not how I remember the cartoons. Like, he will do anything to save this baby. And you're supposed to not get punishment if you're like that. The people who got punishment were the bad cartoons. I dis- no, that I, d- I disagree because I feel like that's a very goofy thing to do. Goofy, yeah, Goofy. Where Go- Goofy was always like, I'm just trying to... And Roger to- loves Goofy. Yeah, he- Goofy was always, I'm just trying to do an activity and like things <laughs> are going wild for me. And there is a, like a, a long tradition of try to sit, like of cartoons where a nice animal tries to save the baby from killing itself. And, uh, like that's just like kind of like a yeah. genre of cartoon. So I think it, it plays into that. Let me ask you this about that though. When Dip is brought up, they're like, oh, yeah, it's a way to kill cartoons. Are cartoons otherwise immortal? I believe that was the the thing from the conversation at the beginning. He was like, yeah, you can drop a fridge on them, whatever. They just bounce back. They're fine. Yeah. So I think, I think what they were saying is otherwise, you cannot actually kill cartoons. Which means that they would, like, other people would stop at nothing <laughs> to figure out a way. Wait, there yeah. is no way? Then we need to figure out a way, so just you, in case we need a free yeah. way or something. So you essentially have to erase them from the celluloid. Did and they, that's what those ingredients were, right? Yeah. Just like ink erasers. Yeah. yeah, they were all different types of... Okay, where do cartoons come from in this universe? That's something that I don't think we're supposed to... Yeah. Like, they don't talk about it, and it's not... There's no, like, baked-in reason, so don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I, th- I think it is they just, They come like, from Toontown. Yeah, they come from Toontown, and if you ask where Toontown comes from, it's like, I don't know, Toon Planet? I don't know. <laughs> I love it. Toon Planet. In the Toon system? Maybe you've heard of it? <laughs> yeah. Tan- Tatooine? Nope. How, Neptune? Nep- how crazy was it to see Donald and Daffy on the on the same stage? And is that the craziest thing about that scene? Uh, yes, actually. Because, no. like, like, how, like, how, how, you can't do that. Two ducks in, the, in one scene? <laughs> That's not allowed. It was crazy. And they acted exactly like they would. I do like the fact that uh, Bugs and Mickey are just, like, sort of, Helping each other, and, yeah. you know, like Bugs is a little hard, more hardcore, and Mickey like rolls his eyes, but still appreciates Bugs's comedy. Donald and Daffy are at each other's throats, but that's not the craziest thing about the scene. Like, right, we are secretly finding out in the background that we are walking into the fucking Cotton Club, where and cartoons are allowed to come out of Toontown and work and perform, yeah. but cannot sit down and watch stuff. They can sell cigarettes yeah. and they can bartend and they can play the piano. And that's, I think, when most people get their signs of like, oh, I get what we're doing here. Yeah. And I mean, is and it- Donald and Daffy are like two of the biggest cartoon stars of all time. Still cannot sit down to watch. And like who like when um, Jessica comes out, her backing band is all the crows. So like notoriously yes. most racist cartoon. So yeah. like that's where the movie is like, no, we're like this isn't something that is being implied here. 
this is what's going on. This is a club, a segregated club, where cartoons are allowed to perform or work, but not, like, attend. And so whatever, like, bad guy is to the weasels, the entertainment is to the people at this club. Like, the, the weasels want to move up in the world, yeah. even if they have to fuck over. But these people are, like, saying, I, I'll do this, like, you know, like, disgusting thing, but I do get to entertain, and so I guess I have right. to do it. Because it's in my nature to just be an entertainer. I, I feel like you don't want to like pursue any of the what this movie is saying about cartoons any more than like yeah. a couple steps, right? Because it, you start yeah. you start getting apart. a little lost. And I would say that the movie probably the makers of the movie would say don't do that. There's not a one to one correspondence here. And if yeah. you try to find it, you're gonna go down some dark places. Which weasel would each one of us be? Oh, that's a very good question. I think I would probably be. The one who, uh, when he dies, he like tries to hold on to himself. Uh huh. I feel like I would be that guy. There's a clear Taylor. There's a very clear Taylor. Oh. The guy with the propeller beanie. No, it's Straight Jacket. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. You're Straight Jacket because I think I'm. Pro- kill the okay. Yeah. I'm propeller beanie. I, I feel okay, like. Okay. Yeah. So I'm straight. Is your propeller beanie? Does that make? That's none of. That's neat. We're neither one of the cool ones. That yeah. means only cool ones are left. Yeah. Th- I feel like Ryan set that up on himself. Oh, I thought that I was gonna clearly be said that. One guy who smokes so much that he is basically a <laughs> cloud of smoke. Like, he has cigarettes all the way wrapped around. Uh-huh. I used to smoke, and so I thought that that's what you guys would say. Because you used to smoke. Because I used to smoke, yeah. <laughs> I would be, of course, Vin Weasel. Back in the, God damn it. Back in the God day. God damn it. Right. One more out the door. Well, guys. I recommend you shut the fuck up. I recommend you both shut the fuck up and... Skadoosh. We are going to take a short skadoosh while I tabulate the scores and tell you the winner. And then we're going to hit the outro and call it a podcast. We're spinning the wheel of score here. So it's all random? It's, yeah. totally, it's totally random. <laughs> I have Taylor, a better chance. Yes. My sweet, wonderful friend. Yes. I thought you did really well tonight. Oh, thank you. You scored twenty points. Okay, which is not bad. That's it's it's an amount. But you got housed, Ryan. You scored 30, 30 points. Yeah, that's crazy. I I bet Taylor in a break that uh, he totally won. Yeah, that, oh, yeah, that was a really stupid bet on your part, and I told <laughs> you so at the time. Well, you you totally blew it. I think you got a lot of points while you were speaking, and you didn't hear that you got the points. But you brought a lot of the 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 key knowledges about the history of Hollywood and the history of movies, and really the history of our friendship. So Ryan is the winner for this week. Still my best friend. Congratulations, buddy. But moving on from Ryan, as if we could, how do we think Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the movie that is titled like a question with no question mark, is going to do in the bracket moving forward? Did you read about that? About how having a question mark is like box office doom? Dude, stop it. And they couldn't put a question mark on it. He's already dead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jesus Christ! Just bury. Uh, I think it. it it's just like, wait, wait, wait. Marry me with my. Is that money. what you were gonna say? What you gonna say? Bury me with my money. But he's yeah. saying Mary. He's clearly <laughs> saying Mary. Yeah, marry me with my money. Uh, I think. I think this movie is top of the middle currently. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it has the possibility to, if some shenanigans happen, I think it can go all the way. Here's the problem. I think that it is, and we didn't really talk about how good it was. We just talked about how like we noticed that there was segregation talk. And then we Uh talked about that. It's a very good movie. But I think that it is an amazing movie. I think that the problem, I think that the everything is great about it. The script is great. The plot is great. The 
uh, I mean, it's a technical wonder. Yeah. And it still is to this day. I just, it sort of went away. Yeah. You know, it sort of is less talked about. It and, does have one whole land of Disneyland. Right. But it's like the smallest little piece of shit place. And, I mean, Beetlejuice is referenced more often yeah. than this movie. And so if that stands in its way, then Outlook not good. But if we're just talking about movie quality and what my specific favorites are, uh-huh. which is what we should be judging on, then I think it has a chance to win the whole thing. I could see it, I could see it moving pretty deep into it. Ultimately, I'm left really wondering what it's trying to say about race relations. Like, why do you bring that up if you're not going to, like, fully comment on it? But, I mean, we have Eddie who went from hating all tunes to loving all tunes just because he got to know some. Yeah. You know, like, I think it's a story of somebody who is basically works out in the Hicks moving to the big city and then seeing that, oh, it's not what they tell you out there. Uh Like, actually, they're all... They all have the potential to be great, and yeah. they're not just based on one villain. I think that they do handle the arc. Yeah, I guess it's just because I'm so uncomfortable with some of the the messages about like treating cartoons as a segregated, like racially oppressed people. Like I, you it's feel that it. side of it that I feel a little uncomfortable with, and like you know, bringing yeah. up like the Cotton Club, and you're just like kind of sometimes you're just like wondering like why does Judge Doom, who is revealed to be a cartoon do this what like what real world person is he supposed to be in this story so it winds up just like beetlejuice and die hard and then a gun the green book of 1988 yep it's it's cartoon green book it does kind of it i think he's i think uh eddie starts off less loathsome than i'm gonna throw my glasses away and maybe with a little bit more of a reason maybe we like take pity on somebody who is racist because of a crime. I don't know, actually. Uh, and then he goes all the way to, like, I fully accept these people and realize I was wrong, whereas Green Book, it seems to be like, I'll let you one time come sit at my <laughs> table. And the other thing, too, is that Eddie finishes his drink and then sets the glass on a newspaper, and it serves as a magnifying yes. glass that helps him solve the crime. Don't put it in the trash can. Put it on top of newspaper. Save your glasses. Back in the 50s, glasses were like a one-time use thing. Every time you were done, you just chuck them in the old trash. Well, Ryan, if I am not mistaken, next week we are going to cover the movie Big. Yes. That I cannot wait. I'm so interested to see how this movie is aged because it's been a while, and it's different when you are a 12-year-old boy watching Big. You got big in the meantime. In, in the meantime, I got big, and then I got bigger, and then I got a little smaller, and then I got bigger again, and now I might be the biggest of all. So stay tuned for that to see how big I am next week. Shady Monk, thank you so much for the music. If I ever forget, it's probably just because I'm rocking out to your wonderful tunes. Tune in next week, guys. But until then, keep watching them movies.